All right, everyone. Monday, October 18th, 6 o'clock p.m. On the we've, dot. We've we've done the old 48-hour rule. And it's marinated in. <laughs> and now we're going to have some conversations about it, about the Pittsburgh-Virginia Tech game. Pittsburgh came into Blacksburg on Saturday. Pat, Mar- Pat Narduzzi, Kenny Pickett. They defeated Tech 28-7, and uh, we are the Sons of Saturday. We're going to chat about Saturday. But first, who are we? Uh, Billy Ray, I see you up there. Hi. In Bergen County, New Jersey, up in Westwood. Great to see you. We got Grayson Wimbish out in L.A. County in Los Angeles, California. My name is Pat Finn. We are in Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, coming at you from Charlotte, and we are the Sons of Saturday. And this podcast is brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Listen, Dr. Jeremy, King Jeremy Counts of the Main Street Pharmacy, he takes care of everyone. He takes care of me. He takes care of of Grayson and Billy. And he hands out great stuff at the pharmacy, too. He's got the Halloween decorations set up right now. He's got the, the pins Guys, we don't have Beat Syracuse pins, but he's been the go-to guy all year. When you walk in there, you feel like a neighbor, not a number, because that's how the Main Street Pharmacy is towards Virginia Tech. So so head on by, stop on by, say hi to Jeremy for us. We're going to do a Hokie Haiku here submitted by the main man with all the Hokie Haikus, Grady Baker. Hokie's hurting now. Stick together through this stretch. Better days will come. How patient are we? I guess we'll find out. Can, so, I, can I ask a question that I don't want to answer now, but I want to ask later? As a new, relatively new member to the fan base of, the, of Virginia Tech, a lot of people, this is how bad it is, a lot of people were asking me or telling me, hey, man, I know it's tough. I promise this is the floor. So I want you guys to think about it. Do we think this is the floor? We don't have to answer this now. We'll answer that at the end of the podcast. But I got told that about five or six times on Saturday. And God, I really hope this is the floor. So we'll think about that answer later on in the uh, in the podcast. But Pat, go ahead. Sorry to derail you, buddy. We can talk about that at the end, hopefully. Where did we watch and where did we tailgate? Kick it off, Grayson. <clears throat> Back with the uh, O'Brien's crowd in Santa Monica, California. It was great to see Austin Bourne, Danny Moriarty, Eric Avizar. Uh, saw my buddy Carl up there. Came up from Torrance uh, and a few others. But, uh, you know, despite the the results of the game, we all said actually it was Eric Avizar who said he was like, beer's still cold. And you know what? You got to find the positive in the, in the bad. And the beer was, in fact, still cold. So, Great to be back. I'll be back there uh, bright and early, 9.30 a.m. for Syracuse. Pat, where'd you watch, man? Watch the game from Section 5. This was one of the biggest Section 5 turnouts we've ever had. It was actually one of those games that we circled on the calendar because we knew every single fan uh, in our in our area of Section 5 was going to make it. Um, so, so much fun with them. Honestly, like pregame, we were so excited. We tailgated at the German Club. We tailgated at Lot 11. Stop by basketball. That was really awesome. And uh, <laughs> just a bummer 
with the result, but the fun, no shortage of fun. You're down 20, 21 points, 28 points. They sell beer here now. We're not leaving to go tailgate. We're actually just going to have a couple of few cold ones with our friends. Um, so it was fun. It was a beautiful day too. One of the weirder weather days of all time. Dude, peak Blacksburg. Um, peak Blacksburg weather. I drove up with Courtney Adams from Charlotte in the morning and clean mountain air filling my windshield. We get into Blacksburg, it starts to get a little cloudy and then it pours for a solid like 45 minutes to an hour. And then it brightens up. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful picturesque fall day and it was a little windy, but um, yeah, Billy, what about you? Yeah, I, um, I made, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm getting kind of tired. I, I need to start expensing my gas mileage. I, I made the trip again down from New Jersey. Uh, I brought Willie Kranick, uh, one of my Belmar buddies, and two of his friends, Mike and Mike. I know we have Mike and Mike in the morning from ESPN. Well, we call them Mike and Mike in the evening. And they made their first trip to Virginia Tech. Uh, we stayed in an Airbnb on Progress Street, right behind PK's. Uh, couldn't have had a better location. And coincidentally, the person staying there went to San Diego State and had San Diego uh, pictures and maps and all sorts of stuff all over his wall, which is pretty cool, kind of like in the Twilight Zone. Um, but yeah, had a great time, tailgated at the German club, uh, went to Sharky's the night before, um, just a full-blown New Jersey weekend and New Jersey, Virginia weekend. And um, and yeah, Washington Section 5. I, I got to tell you, Pat, this was uh, a great selling weekend for Section 5. Fun was had like, like, you know, we were throwing the jokes. We score that first touchdown. Don't let us get hot guys. We turn around in the pit. My buddy Willie turns around to the pit guys and he goes, you guys are in serious, serious trouble. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, uh, it was fun. It, that, that group brought the energy all day long. Um, and, um, and yeah, that's, that's where I watched <laughs> Willie. So, uh, We're going to talk about our dislikes. We're going to talk about our likes from the game. We're not going to talk about this forever. You know, we're going to try to get through it fast, but going to reset the table because last week in our preview, you know, we were three and two, but we had a zero in the loss column. You know, this was kind of our season in one game. The most important game on our schedule is the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh is the team in the coastal that is the team to beat. They're high-powered on offense. They're going to be a test for us, and we are going to have to show up, prepare, and deliver. Um, we didn't. So we're going to talk about offense first, dislikes for the offense. Um, I'll kick it off with the drive summary because, quite frankly, the guys came out of the tunnel. Enter Sandman was a lot of fun. It was rocking. It was rowdy. It was raucous. It kind of reminded me, like, you looked at the sky, and then you looked at the crowd, and you're like, I feel like I have transported two years in the past to the Carolina uh, 2019 game. With the six you said that right before kickoff when you turned around. I lit- it was a 3.30 kick. It was maroon effect. The weather felt the exact same, and I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm really excited. And, you know, we stopped their offense three and out. I think they were three and out with minus one net yards. We get the ball, and we do the exact same thing. Uh, and then they get the ball and they scored a touchdown. We get the ball. We march down the field and then get stopped on the fourth and one at the Pittsburgh 35. And then from there, drive summaries, three yards, punt, one yard, punt, two yards, punt, zero yards, interception. 
23 yards, punt. Loss of eight, punt. Minus two yards, end of half. And we're losing, what, 21 nothing and a half? And I don't think, I, mean, I think the last time that we didn't put up points and a half was 2014 Miami. You know, we had Mark Leal going in at the end of the game in garbage time. Um, zero points at halftime. And the crowd just completely filtered out of there. Mostly the students, but, um, you know, a lot of people said I've seen enough. And rightfully so. You cannot fault fans for driving three, four, however many hours, and then showing up and seeing zero points in the first half and, you know, seven rushing yards in the first half. So we get the ball to start the second half and see, hey, can our offense set the tone for the second half? And they come out and register five yards in three plays, and we punt it away, and then Pitt goes up 28-0. That's finally marched. What'd you say? That's when even more people left. (laughs) Yeah. You know, three-possession game, crazier things have happened. No, not not when you're down 28-0. You know, flashbacks to 2019 when we beat Pitt 28-0, but uh, for uh, for the wrong reasons. We finally marched down for our first touchdown of the day to Tavion Robinson, six minutes left in the third. And then we turn it over on downs the next drive. We punt the next drive after 21 yards. And then the final drive of the game is the Malachi Thomas drive. We'll call it because he carried it five times in a row and we netted 31 yards. And that was all she wrote. Um, The offense did not play very well couple of fun facts on that. Um, I just, I just noticed this. So we ran one, two, three, four, five, ten plays the entire fourth quarter. Uh, you go into the fourth quarter and it's 28 to seven. And we only ran 10 plays. Uh, reason being is Pittsburgh had a 16 play 76 yard drive that lasted 11 minutes and 28 seconds. Granted, um, and thank goodness, golly gracious for us saving the smallest amount of face ever. Um, they didn't end up scoring on that drive. Um, but that was a pretty impressive drive, um, by a really impressive offense. Um, but it was so anemic. It was so, I mean, I literally turned. I literally turned to multiple people in the first half, and I said, "Watching our offense is literally like I've never passed a kidney stone, but I, I it probably it probably feels like that." I I hated watching our offense on the field every time they took the field. Um, no rhythm, no seemingly no kind of method to the madness, and there's really not anything else to say about that. I mean, Pat, great drive breakdown, including there. You know, you had five three and outs, so. Just horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. Um, Braxton Burmeister, this was uh, about the farthest thing from his day. Not not a good performance by, by Braxton. 11 for 32, 134 yards, one touchdown pass, but we credit that to Tavion Robinson and his superior talent. That was a hell of a catch. And the officials and, for giving us two pass interference calls too. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then Braxton also threw one interception, ended the day with a QB rating of 11.6, which is not great. Not great at all. Um, five Virginia Tech players ran with the ball 
on Saturday. That was Braxton Burmeister, Tavion Robinson, Malachi Thomas, Jalen Holston, and Raheem Blackshear. All five of those guys were running the football. All five got touches, and we only had 90 rushing yards on the day. Uh, that's an issue. That's a problem. And I, I guess my question is, and not, I'm not saying that this would have fixed anything. Not at all. But I just, like, where's Marco Lee? We haven't used him at all. Not even at, like, I'm, I'm literally talking about, like, third and short situations. Maybe even second and two. You bring him in. He's 5'11", 227 pounds. Kid had 16 touchdowns his senior year of high school. He doesn't suck, I don't think. But it's like you have kind of a power back. He reminds me, his build reminds me of Khalil Herbert, but we just haven't seen him. So I don't I don't really know why. Uh, but 90, 90 rushing yards, that says not only a lot about just kind of our offense, but uh, I'll talk about this in a sec. Pat, I know you have something you want to add here, but go ahead, man. <laughs> so if you did the math there, 224 total yards. Uh, which is historically poor from Virginia Tech's offense. But yeah, like your your point on the rushing room, Grayson, the fact that we have like almost a dozen running backs in the running backs room, and we've recruited that position, you know, quite frankly, pretty well over the past few cycles. Um, the fact that we have that many guys and that much talent in the room, but the fact that this is by far our worst position group uh, statistically, is just honestly, quite frankly, a, a massive bummer. Can I, t- um, can I, can I, can I, I just ask her a follow up there. When you say we've recruited it well, um, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if there's a lot of talent in that room, honestly. Like I think if we're being brutally honest, I think it's a combination of, we don't really have a feature back. I think Raheem Blackshear is talented. Um, I think some of the other guys are talented. I wouldn't say we've recruited well in the, ru- in the running back room. I mean, do you do you mean from a, a star perspective or or what do you mean by that? I mean, I think if Keyshawn King is developed the right way, you know, he should be a contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, Raheem Blackshear, if utilized the correct way, should be a game breaking talent. Yeah. Um, you know, guys who are brand new to the program, Kenji Christian. I mean, he's he's Not probably right. he's yeah. probably a top three recruit over the past three or four years in the running back room. Um, obviously, Ramon Brown is not signed into Virginia Tech yet. Um, Chance Black looks good on tape. Malachi Thomas has has gotten touches as a true freshman, um, and then Khalil Herbert. Obviously, it goes to show that talents like like we think we have talent. I thought Keyshawn King had a great season in his limited action in 2019. Um, but it really goes to show that talents like Khalil Herbert cannot be taken for granted. Um, yeah, sure. And, and Herbert, Herbert had his first NFL touchdown yesterday. Like obviously that is transferring to the national football league. That guy is, you know, a generational talent at Virginia tech, really generational talent that we haven't seen since the likes of David Wilson, Darren Evans, Ryan Williams, you know, Lee Suggs, Kevin Jones. He's just like those guys and, uh, you know, I, I would I would hope that out of a dozen guys we have in the room, someone can be groomed to be like that. Um, but it just has not happened. And it's it's a bummer. And a lot of it has to do with the line as well. Like the line last year was significantly better yeah. than the line this year. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to talk about that. Um, our offensive line was was pretty damn bad on mm. Saturday. I would go as far as to say horrendous uh, zero push on the run. 
not making any really real holes for these guys to jump through. Something that really, really made my blood boil is the fact that I asked for it. I asked for it these last few games. Put Braxton Burmeister under center on like fourth and one. And they've been doing it these last two games. And we can't even convert that. And Pitt's doing it. Pitt did it four times. They converted three out of their four fourth downs. Fourth and one. Fourth and short. Fourth and short. And I'm like, dude. They their push. If you watch their push on the offensive line when they do it versus when we do it, it's night and day. It's that's why. I, that's day. why. I, like last against the West Virginia game, it's like, why don't we go under center? I'm like, I don't think it matters if I don't. I don't think it matters if the center runs the ball himself because we yeah. get blown off the ball constantly, constantly blown off the ball. Uh, no push. And what's so frustrating? What's so frustrating is at, at so many of these positions. Um, you know, a lot of people are are kind of, and I have to eat crow. Like I thought, I thought the offense was going to be better. I really did. Um, and I, I think some of the evidence that I was basing that on was we had a lot of guys coming back that had a lot of experience. Um, and whether it's us not putting those guys in positions to succeed, whether it's a lack of development from those folks, whether it's, and by those folks, I mean, coaching staff, everybody around, I'm not, I'm not trying to put that on the kid individually. Um, but with all of these returning starters and all these guys with experience, what, where is the production? Where is the synergy? Where is the step forward? Um, because before the season starts, I didn't think it was crazy to think that our offense would be better than it was last year um, in, a, in a different way. Um, and it just, it just is not, it, it's not. Um, we, how many times can we line up on fourth and one and not get a yard? How many times can we line up? I mean, as Virginia Tech fans, and you guys know this better than me, um, Virginia Tech ran smash mouth football. Virginia Tech needed a yard on fourth and one. It's third and two. Like, Virginia Tech's fired up about that. We have third and three. We have, you know, first and goal from the four-yard line. We have fourth and one. I'm not confident at all. I have zero. I have zero I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm confident in any situation with our offense, but if it's short, if it's short yardage and the other team is putting their guys up there and we're putting our guys up there, I – I don't feel good. Not not good. Matthew Quillen at Dirty Bird VT. He did the work here on Twitter. The Hokies are 111th in scoring offense this year. We're averaging 22 points a game. Uh, we scored seven points against Pittsburgh. I believe the University of New Hampshire scored seven points against Pittsburgh. 116th in yards per play. 106th in passing offense. 92nd in rushing offense, zero plays this year of 50 yards or greater. We are one of nine teams in the FBS with zero. We are now 120th in total offense out of 130 teams. And the only power five program that Virginia Tech is better than is the Colorado Buffs, um, who, you know, I'm sure a random guy on the street wouldn't know that University of Colorado even has a football team. Um, Thank you, Matthew, for, for, uh, for digging those up. Not happy about them. Yeah, I would say, you know, just a couple of other things to be pissed off about with the offense. Um, disappointed in our lack of ability or willingness to get Raheem Blackshear the ball. Um, guy's great in space. He had eight touches. He had seven carries and one catch for eight yards total. Um, that one was disappointing. Uh, one catch. Um, not many people had catches in general though. So you can't really, you know, it doesn't, it's not like other guys were lighting it up. 
constant drops. I mean, we had multiple drops um, on the wide receiver side of things um, with guys open, uh, which sucks. The few times that we were able to get uh, balls to receivers um, had some drops. And then at the end of the day, I think this is just kind of what really was one of the bigger reasons we lost the game. Uh, I thought our defense came out and played well enough uh, to give us a chance to compete, but the difference was Pitt's offense made plays. Uh, They had the play where the wide receiver made the catch over two guys on, I believe it was a third down in the red zone um, to convert and put them in uh, scoring position. Uh, Grayson, you said it, they converted on three out of four fourth down tries. Um, They went out and took plays from us. We had two plays the entire football game that were over 20 yards, two, two plays over 20 yards. And one was the 29 yard reception to Daywan Lofton who saw some action this weekend. And the other one was Trey Turner for 47 yards. Um, yeah. To quote, to quote Pat Narduzzi puzzled, puzzled, I'm puzzled. Um, and then last one, <laughs> I think Brad took his, his Viagra when he didn't need it. Uh, 32 passing attempts from Braxton Burmeister with what appears to be a bum shoulder and extremely windy situation. I, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know why Braxton Vermeister is throwing the ball in the most times he's thrown it all year. I understand that you have to get Pitt out of the box. I understand that you have to take advantage of one-on-one situations, but man, I just, um, I I'm out of, I'm out of answer. I'm out of, uh, I'm out of things to say about, uh, about the offense. It was just horrible. So, um, we'll move it over to move it over to defense then. Pat. Dislikes for the defense. Um, you know, the only the defense played, let's call a spade a spade. The defense played a lot better than the offense did. Um, for me, like if, if I'm critiquing the defense, the first thing that comes to mind is the lack of pressure on Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett's jersey not having green grass stains all over it. Um, the pass rush was awesome week one against Carolina. Sam Howell had a nightmare on that Friday night in Lane stadium. He was, he was getting thrown to the turf relentlessly. Um, and we have not been able to get after the quarterback really at all since that six sack performance uh, at Carolina. I mean, this, this unit that has a lot of formidable athletes has, has not been able to, to perform to the level that we thought it was going to, you know, going into the year. I agree with you, Pat. Uh, to take that a step further, one of the things that I've kind of had a little bit of a complaint about was, I'm not sure if I said this on the last podcast or not. I feel like there's no synergy between our linebacking core and our defensive line. I feel like they're on com- completely different pages. I feel like the defensive line, which is kind of funny, has a little bit less of a gap integrity mindset and more of a pin your ears back and go at the quarterback. But the joke's on us. Cause we don't get the quarterback. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of talent on this defensive line. I think other teams have done a good job in, in skinny against us. And, but, but that shouldn't matter. I mean, you know, to me going into the season, you know, I felt like we had a draft pick or two on our defensive line and yes, they're short, you know, they're shorthanded. Um, so that's a, that's an area that they definitely need to improve upon. But look, at the end of the day, the defense is on the field for two thirds of the football game. I mean, you know, you, you can only kind of complain about 
the defense so much. We held Pitt to their lowest scoring total of, of the season. Um, we held Pitt to seven points in the entire second half. So, you know, there's only so much you can ask from the defense. I don't think that there was a really a, a, any pathway to, you know, if, if, if you told me on Monday that Pitt would score 28 points, I'd feel pretty good about what our defense would have done. So that's, that's how I felt about it. Pat, I, I guess I said what you were thinking. I had raised my hand and, and that's exactly what I was going to say. 28's kind of been the magic number all year. We should be able to score 28 points offensively if we could hold the other team less than 28. And you think um, you would think. Uh, I, I think another huge thing that we forgot, I forgot for a, for a hot second that we didn't have Dax Hollifield uh, for the entire first half. And that was a killer. There were times where, I mean, you just said it, Bill. It's it's like the defensive line and the linebacker, like they're just not on the same page. And you could see that. That was palpable. Like they were not on the same page. Players were out of position. They were confused. And when you don't have your defensive play caller out there, you know, that happens. Uh, for example, we let Pittsburgh march 94 yards on 15 plays. That's terrible. It's not good. Um, we're still missing tackles, Pitt's offense, their players, it seemed like it, whether it be Kenny Pickett or the running backs, Jared Wayne, they're always falling forward and never backwards. Uh, speaking of Jared Wayne, I, I know y'all saw this. He comes down with that crazy catch. I think it was in the third quarter. They were right there and put him right there in the red zone. And it's like, he just wanted it more. I think it was Armani Chapman who was covering him and he couldn't break it up. He should have broke it up, yeah. but he did, but he didn't. And it's like, you got to go up there and make that play. Sure. You can credit Jared Wayne for making the play, but that was an easily swattable ball. So we've said this two times now. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I I think so, dude, because they, they did it to us and they finished the play. They knocked the ball out of Tavion Robinson's hands. That's how you do it. That's yeah. how you do it. They finished the play. We didn't. So it's, you know, I think it's night and day. It just shows. Terms I got to get, yeah, I, I think I, I, I got to give credit. I, I got, I, I'm defaulting to just giving Pitt, to giving Pitt more credit. I mean, I think at the end of the good day, team. They, they made good, play, they good made team. plays. I was a little bit surprised by how many drops. I, I, I think this could have been a lot uglier if Pitt didn't have as many drops as they had. Pitt had several drops. They did. Uh, they did. We lucked out in a lot of, uh, a lot of situations. Yeah. I think there um, were three or four third downs where they just straight up drop balls. Um, yeah. And open field too. Just like unrelated. In- Unrelated, their tight end number seven is probably the biggest tight end I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he is uh, Pat. I, I don't know if you saw him, but he was one of the biggest people I've ever seen in a football field. He looked like Bucky Hodges plus thirty pounds is essentially what he looked like. Mike McDaniel. I don't. I don't know if you guys agree with this sentiment. Shout out to Mike McDaniel over at some Saturday National. But I was listening to Hokey Hangover last night, and shout out to those guys because they they did a phenomenal job. Uh, Mike said. When we went down by seven initially, it already felt like we were down 14. That is like, yeah, that is so real. The second that Pittsburgh scored their first touchdown, I'm like, dude, our offense ain't going to do shit. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so, like, I've said it. It's like this team, in order for us to win, we got to come out first and score. And we didn't really do that against Notre Dame. But – if we want any chance of winning, we got to be the ones to put points on the board first. Otherwise, it's it's a freaking rap from DX is what it is. Um, special teams, any dislikes? Missed tackles on punt coverage. You know, they're they're 
punt returners getting by us on the first and second blow. It's like, dude, you that was the thing about Beamer's special teams units, man. They literally they would get back there so quick and just blow it up. And we're still missing tackles on on punt coverage. Um, gotta be better about that. Gotta be gotta get back there quicker, too. Seems like it takes forever, but that's it for me. I don't know. So I guess we'll segue over to our likes, and I'm sure this will not be uh, very long. Too lengthy, yeah, this will be short-winded. Too too lengthy of a uh, of a segment here. Tavion Robinson made an incredible catch over there in the third quarter. Um, loved it. It was great. He's incredibly talented, and it's been a lot of fun watching him this year. It's been a shame that he has not gotten the ball, um, you know, as much as probably the three of us would like, um, whether that's, I mean, just as many touches as possible for that guy. Um, you know, someone would, I, I guess there's a little bit of a tangent here, but Grady B was chatting with us in our, uh, in our group chat. Tavion Robinson ran the option in high school. Like, can we, can we see something? Can we just have Tavion Robinson, like just line up in the shotgun and run the option? Um, would love to see something just to have the ball in that guy's hands a little bit more frequently. Um, but that is the definition of a tangent. Day one Lofton also made a nice catch and run. Uh, he almost broke it earlier in the game and he did not, but uh, that play were- call was beautiful. I love yeah. that play. I love that play. Uh, like right before that play was called, I said to the people I was watching with it, O'Brien's it's like, here we go. East, West, left, right, left, right. What did Pittsburgh do? They carved us up like a freaking Thanksgiving turkey and just we're putting the ball over the middle of the field. And it was very efficient. I'm like, why cannot, why can we not do that? Well, we don't and have then, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> we don't have Kenny. That is a fact. That is a fact. But it's like, dude, why can't even we call a play? Why can't even, why can't we even try? And then they ran, they ran that play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. There you go. Look what happens. Look yeah. what happens. Dwayne Lofton, we've heard so much about him. We've heard so much about him. Young Buck gets out there, makes a play. And it's like, I wish we did that more. I don't know. That's, um, that's all I got yeah. <laughs> for offense. Uh, Gray, you want to go with the uh, likes for defense? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Coach Hamilton, man. This his defenses, regardless of the outcomes of these games, have really they have played their asses off. So you got to credit them for that. The time of possession, man. Pittsburgh had the ball for 38 minutes and 16 seconds. We had it for just shy of 22. And at the end of the day, the defense can only do so much, man. The defense can only keep you in it, but for so long, especially when your offense isn't doing anything. Uh, might as well be just like a hibernating chipmunk. Uh, and so our defense gassed out. Nasir Peoples, or excuse me, Nasir Peoples, uh, was in on 11 tackles, followed by Amari Barnard's nine and Shamari Connors eight. Jordan Williams got to Kenny Pickett one time. That's awesome to see. Um, I'm, I credit the defense because they they have worked so hard, and and I I love Coach Hamilton. But I mean, you gotta you gotta play both sides of the ball to win the football game, and that just didn't happen on Saturday. Yeah. Um... Defense was uh, out, play ran. Um, defense was on the field for 35 plays. Their defense was on the field for 26 plays in the second half. Our offense was on the field for 115, 243, 144, 145 in two minutes. Their offense was on the field for 429, 56 seconds, 340, 1128. Um, it's just not sustainable, man. Like, you just <laughs> – 
can't have the guys in the field all day. I mean, Bryce made a really good point to me during the game. He was like, at what point does Dax Hollifield or somebody go up and grab somebody's face mask on the offense and be like, what are you guys doing? Like, I mean, <laughs> like what I don't, I, I don't get it. We go out there every single time we're putting our best foot forward. We're battling out there. Pitt has, you know, big boys. They're running the ball. Um, and we're giving you every opportunity to just give us a chance in this game. And we're, we're not seeing anything. Um, I mean, Pitt's running back Israel, um, Aban Nikada, uh, that guy's a stud 22, had 22 attempts for 140 yards. He averaged 6.7 yards of carry. Um, but yeah, I, I just felt like literally I said it multiple times again, like I feel horrible for the defense. Like they, they literally couldn't be doing anything, anything more. Um, let's, let's finish up the likes and dislikes with, uh, with special teams, Grace. And then I think everybody can get on this, uh, on this train. train. Yeah. Well, you know, when your offense isn't cooking, that gives your time that gives you time for your fourth down quarterback to cook a little bit. Uh, Peter Moore punted his ass off, eight punts for 308 yards, uh, and was very good about pinning Pittsburgh deep. Not a lot of touchbacks. Um, you know, they did manage to do a 94 yard drive, but besides the point, Peter Moore had a uh, a fantastic game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, any anything to add, guys, before we move on? No, let's stop talking about likes and dislikes. All right. All right. All right. So we're, we're going to move into where the game was decided. Uh, honestly, it was decided on offense. Pittsburgh's offense was surgical and extremely efficient. They did what it is that they do best. Kenny Pickett, 22 for 37. Two, he had 203 of Pittsburgh's 411 total yards of offense on the day. Our offense was the exact opposite. We looked out of sync. We looked lost. It wasn't happening. Uh, Captain Obvious speaking here, but you can't win the football game if you don't score more than your opponent. And we can't score to begin with. And that is a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, only you hit the head on the problem there. I, I, you know, I already talked about it. Our lack of ability to make game changing uh not make because we've made them in the three games that we've won um but if we we don't have the type of offense that's going to be able to have sustainable drive so if we're not making game changing plays on defense or special teams or chunk plays on offense we're not going to win a lot of football games um the die is cast and that's kind of what the offense is at this point um against notre dame we had the Pick six. We had the Braxton run against, um, you know, Notre Dame. We had the, uh, or I'm sorry, against North Carolina. We had the fade ball to Trey Turner. Um, we had a couple, uh, we had that quick turnover um, in West Virginia. And, you know, we had a couple of chunk plays too, but we just don't have the, but we did not create any game changing plays on any side of the ball. No turnovers from the defense. I guess that's one more gripe for the defense, but um, we did nothing to keep ourselves in the game or give us a chance to win. Yeah, really. Um, lack of a passing game. I mean, 11 for 34, or 32 or whatever it was speaks for itself. Uh, you have to be accurate in the passing game. If you want to move the ball downfield, the running game is just, you know, has been a huge disappointment and you know, that that's pretty much it. Um, we haven't been able to, to develop, a running back or a quarterback in the offensive line hasn't been able to do anything. Um, 
So out to lunch brought to you by Roots Natural Kitchen of Blacksburg, Virginia. Head on down to Roots for the healthy alternative. We did a tailgate a few weeks ago. Kids love Roots. Adults love Roots. Everyone should love Roots. Um, I love Roots. Get the El Jefe Bowl. Uh, it's the Brock Hoffman special. But remember, uh, what does he have? No, uh, no Tabasco sauce? No Tabasco. With lime. And uh, <laughs> use the download the app, first of all. Download the Roots Natural Kitchen app and use promo code SONSOFSAT21. Get you 20% off of your order at Roots Natural Kitchen. Follow them on Instagram as well. We do giveaways every week at RootsNK. Uh, delicious food right off of Price's Fork Road uh, in that shopping center in Blacksburg. Uh, Grayson, what what did you think about Out to Lunch this week? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've 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 said it. Virginia Tech's offense was out to lunch, dude. Like, just not, not, not clicking. They they were on hiatus. Didn't get off the bus. Uh, and you know. We'll talk about that. We've talked about that. I'll keep it real short. Virginia Tech's offense was out to lunch, and they we gotta we gotta do better in these next coming weeks. That's it. If there's anything, uh, this wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. Probably, uh, I would almost say definitely. Um, we did not play well enough to win the game. This was a minor gripe. Why didn't we call any pass interference in the first half? I mean, everybody was just beating the hell out of each other in the first half, uh, and we you know, missed a couple of pass interference calls, a couple of drive-ending pass interference calls, which are a little frustrating. Um, but, um, you know, the number one source of, of moving the ball shouldn't be by the referees. We should, you know, try to move the ball with our offense, and we haven't been able to do that. So, um, anyway... Moving on, this first half of the podcast, a little bit bland. We just kind of wanted to give you numbers and talk to you about what the situation was and with the football game. But I think I think the more important, um, more important and biggest conversation that we're having is we want to talk about kind of where the fan base is, what feelings are around uh, the program, and where uh, that brings us to where do we go from here. Um, <clears throat> I can kick off where where do you go from here? I guess. Um, Look, I think it's fair to say I, I and a lot of other folks uh, have some crow to eat. Um, the expectations of what Virginia Tech football should be, the expectation of what this program should achieve, the expectation of what we should be as a program, both on the national and coastal spectrum, has not been met. Um, we can all agree on that. The bar has not been reached people. I'm not mad at anybody for being upset. Uh, I'm upset. Pat's upset. Grayson's upset. Players are upset. Um, and it's justifiable. What we saw in lane stadium on, um, on Saturday was similar to what we saw at lane stadium, uh, versus Duke in 2019. It's similar to what we, it's just completely unacceptable. Um, before we broach this conversation, um, I think regardless of how you feel about the program, I think regardless of how you feel about the coach, I think regardless of how you feel about the athletic director or the players, I just want to encourage people to do a better job of hating the result and not hating the person. Um, that has been one of the most troubling things for me. Um, 
Yeah, that's been one of the most troubling things for me. Obviously, yeah, I, I'm biased. Um, played for this staff, have a lot of love for this staff, have a lot of love for uh, this program, as as well as everybody else does. And I don't pretend to you know love the program any more than anybody else. But when it gets personal and, and you start doing you know all of these jokes about you know Coach Fuente or somebody not having a job anymore. I think it's wrong to think that anybody should lose their job, but even if you want to go past the coach Fuente thing who makes, you know, upwards of three and a half, $4 million a year, something to keep in mind is, you know, whenever a staff turns over, it's not just being a coach who makes that much money. It's, you know, the assistants and support staff who may never get another chance like this ever again. It's guys who are going to be looking for literally ways to feed their family or, or do whatever. So I just wanted to broach this conversation with saying, hate the result, don't hate the people, um, because they work extremely hard to put Virginia Tech in a position to win, execute, and and get where they need to be. Um, on that same token, the bar has not been reached to this point. So that was kind of my little soliloquy. I hope you guys are still awake. Solid sentiment, sir. Um, thinking about this season, going into the season, a lot of people were saying eight wins, nine wins, no turnover in the coaching staff. And then one, you know, once you start talking about seven and five or six and six, that's where, you know, we might have to have that conversation. Um, here we are right now, three and three have lost three out of the last four, uh, you know, currently one and one in the coastal, but at this point, Pittsburgh is the clear favorite in the coastal and six games left. Two of them are at home. Four of them are on the road. Um, and at this point, it's like that Michael Scott gif. Uh, all I have, what is it, Grayson? You know this. All I can do right now is put on a brave face. Is that yep. it? Yep. All I can do right now is go out there and put on a brave face. <laughs> and that's pretty much it right now. We have Syracuse coming into town. They have one of the best running backs in the entire country. Um, they also have a boneheaded coach. I like Dino Babers, but I don't know if you guys watched that game on Friday night and that decision-making uh, to kick the field goal instead of go for it on fourth and one was uh, just not the right decision. Now, Virginia Tech, being in this coastal division, should be able to compete with everyone in the coastal right now. Just If you look at the current state of every single program in the coastal, they don't have any Clemsons in the coastal. Um, you know, there's no powerhouses in the coastal division. Coastal is the most unpredictable division in college football and probably in college football history. You know, in the last seven years, a different coastal representative has been in the AC championship in seven consecutive years. Um, we're supposed to be on par with Pittsburgh. You know, we're supposed to be on par with every other team in the coastal. Pittsburgh has blown our doors off in 2018 in 2020 and now in 2021. And this is not a school that should be doing this to us. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of just crazy because, you know, if I think about the staff turning over at some point and Billy asked at the beginning of this podcast, I don't know if we could talk about it now, but you know, is this rock bottom? Can it get worse? With the state of the Coastal Division and with Virginia Tech having a reputation with tradition, with a great fan base, and with the future outlook on resources that will be 
brought into Virginia Tech football program. I don't see how it can get significantly worse than what it is right now, just because of how our schedule lines up every single year. We're still going to play Duke every single year. You know, we're still going to get matched up with BC, Georgia Tech, UVA every single year that Virginia Tech football should always be competing or beating those schools. Um, So just kind of thinking long-term, you know, you have to turn the page at some point and we don't know when it's going to happen. It definitely sounds like more of a when than an if at this point, in my opinion. And I know know, we prefaced last week saying, hey, let's figure out this Pittsburgh game first until we start having this conversation. Pittsburgh is a team that we can beat. It's a team that we can prepare for. And if we beat Pittsburgh, then we're in a completely different position, but we're not. We failed and here we are. So to tie it up, all we can do is put on a brave face because we have six games left. Got to support the players and got to support the brand that is Virginia Tech football, um, you know, here on out. Now, yeah. I, I guess, uh, and Grayson, I know that we were kind of, um, we want to have this other discussion too about like, because sure. Billy wanted to weigh in this, in on this, I wanted to weigh on in on this after talking about it a little bit. Um, the mid-season versus after the season decision-making by the athletic director to relieve a head coach of his duties. Um, the only reason I would want to explore the possibilities of an interim coach type thing is because a lot of this fan base is high on Justin Hamilton at some point. Can Jay Ham be the head coach at Virginia Tech? And that is a long-term or a longer-term type thing. Um, my outlook here or a potential option here is Jay Ham gets the keys for the last six weeks of the season, and we can see what that looks like, kind of like a project. Um, the more that I think about it, the less I like it. It, it's a huge risk. It's just more so of this idea that we all love Jay Ham. Jay Ham's done a great job this year, and we'd love to see what happens if Jay Ham was calling the shots. You know, put a guy like John Tenuta at DC for the rest of the year and just see what happens. Um, Billy, I know you have counterpoints to that. At this point, I'm kind of a lot less in favor of that decision just because it's not necessarily something that you can prepare for. But um, I guess, Bill, talk to us, talk to us about what, what your opinion is on why it's better to make this decision after the season than in the middle of the season. Yeah. If you're, well, first of all, I'm glad you've, cause um, you know, this caught a lot of uh, <clears throat> this definitely had a lot of momentum uh, and we talked about it on the phone. Uh, I didn't really debate back and forth on it. Um, I knew we were going to talk about it today. I'm just going to say like, I vehemently am against SAT word. I'm completely against doing that um, for a couple of reasons. One, just a week ago, we were talking about how it literally never works out ever. Um, So there's number one. Number two, Coach Fuente is directly tied to the entire offensive staff. He is also tied to Coach Tierlink. If you know 
that your coach, who is the reason that you're at a school, is going to either be at another school or be in a reduced position where he's not hiring people, you're going to be in job hunting mode. That is how that works. You can say, you know, well, that's not professional. That is how it works. That's how it goes. Okay. When, um, when Coach Beamer was leaving Virginia Tech the first time, every other coach, especially on the offensive staff, was saying, where the hell am I going to go now? What is the next step for me? Um, now they handled it. I'm not saying that they were completely unprofessional. They were not. We ended up finishing the year on a high note and sending out coach Beamer the right way. Um, I just think that that's completely disrespectful to all of the players who are there um, to do that. Uh, I, I don't like that. Um, I want to shout out tech sideline podcast. They talked about it as well. Um, players don't, seem uh and i'll say seem as you know this is kind of common knowledge but i know this from the ones that i've spoken with is players don't dislike coach fuente players don't hate coach fuente um i don't think that we've seen a situation where uh we've quit and you've seen that against notre dame you've seen that against west virginia um, I think we just straight up lost to Pittsburgh because they're better than us and we got bullied and we didn't have a great game plan coming in. I didn't see something like a complete quit. Um, and I think if you fire the coach in the middle of the season, you're basically just doing it to appease fans. And I don't think that 50,000 people are showing up. Look, there are going to be 20,000 people at the Syracuse game. I'm going to be one of them. Pat's going to be one of them. Um, but they're going to be 20,000, 30,000 people at this Pittsburgh. And that might be a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but if you fire your coach, people aren't saying, oh, well, hell yeah, I'm going to drive four hours now and go to the game and watch. No, that's not happening. So if you're going to do something in the order to appease fans, I, I don't think it's a respectful to the kids. I don't think it's what's best for the program. And if you're trying to win football games, I don't think that's the way that you do it. Um, not to mention coach Hamilton has zero, zero experience in that regard. So to just think that he can become the CEO of a program right now in the middle of a season. Um, I don't even think you're setting up coach Hamilton for success in his own right. So those gray hairs will really start to come in if that happens. Exactly. And, 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 you know, and there's probably a lot of people out there who think like, Oh, Grayson wants it to happen mid season. No, I don't. I really, I really don't want it to happen mid season. Uh, and I don't, I still, I've said this, I don't think it will. Uh, I, I agree with Bill in the sense that, I mean, if you, you watch this happen, if you watch these midseason terminations, it almost never goes well. Uh, I guess the only thing, and I will say this, I guess the only thing, and again, we won't do this. The only thing I think I'd be okay with if you're going to do it like midseason is kind of handle it the way that LSU did and basically say, all right, Coach O is going to be here till the end of the season, along with the rest of his staff. After that, we have both, uh, we've come to the mutual conclusion that we will both go our separate ways after. And that, I think if you're going to do it midseason, that's the cleanest way. But we're also, we're not the SEC. Uh, we, we don't do things that way. So, you also have to you also have to renegotiate. I mean, that's a unique situation because Coach O was willing to renegotiate a, a buyout option for LSU. Sure. Um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, 
It's, yeah. I mean, listen, guys, like the whole thing, the whole thing, it's, it sucks, man. It sucks. Yeah. Just, it's a very, very unfortunate situation because as fans, as fans and people who want to see this program succeed, we all want that. We got six games left and you just kind of think like, well, well damn, man. Like when was the last time tech has been in a position uh, where they, didn't have a coach retire. When was the last time a coach Bill, retired at Virginia? Bill Hall? Dooley. Bill Dooley. That was kind of an interesting situation. He left on his own. He left, but NCAA sanctions followed him, and that's when Beamer came in. It's it's been a brick. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long time. At this point, like with um with the interim head coach with a midseason decision. Billy's right about the appeasing the fans thing. It's really about a patience thing. It's, it's saving, just like saving face. Is it's the it's the inst- wait. Hey, it's the uh, it's the instant gratification thing. Like yeah. everyone just wants an answer now. They don't even care if it's the, if it's the long term fix. They just want a short term solution or a decision that will be a figure of change. Everyone wants change. Like there's not a single person that doesn't want anything to change, and. The thought is that the sooner we do it, the better, but that's not always the case. You know, this there's, is gonna, there's a, a long evaluation. There's a the right way to do these things, and there's a wrong way to do these things. And the wrong way in our case is to terminate anyone on this staff before the season is over. Right. Yeah. And I think I think the one other thing to keep in mind, um, and in no way am I saying that this is what I anticipate happening. Is this what is likely to happen? I have there's no reason to believe this, but in the terms of what it is in the coastal, Virginia Tech is, I believe, in second place in the coastal. And to just kind of raise the white flag and get in a let's make the fans happy and probably lose as many games as we can mode is again, it's just it's just right. It, it, it's 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 not the way that that I think about it. Um, and I think if you're any kid on that team who has to walk into the facility at six o'clock in the morning and watch film and prepare and lift and why, and, you know, go to practice every single day to do that, to make a couple people happy for a couple of weeks is, is, is selfish and short-sighted, um, and just not right to do. Um, I think the last note that I'll have on this, um, pending me having something to say about what you guys say, um, I think everybody is kind of getting off on the idea or the, um, you know, like thought of me calling for someone um, that I personally know to lose their job. Um, And what comes with that is 20 or 30 other people to lose their job and be searching for a job. Um, I would never, I'm not going to do that. I'm not the kind of guy to get on here and say, I hope person X gets fired. I hope person this uh, gets replaced or this, that, or the other. Even Um, if, even if they're a drain, even if they're, if they're dragging the ship down, even then I'm curious. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm just saying like, I think a lot of people are excited or like, yeah, I had, I had multiple people come up to me. uh, (laughs) I had multiple people come up to me at the game and say, Hey, I know this is hard. I'm sorry. Like this sucks. I stay off Twitter. (laughs) And then I had other people saying like, what about now? What about now? And it's like, what I'm willing to say, and how I feel about it is the expectation of what this program should be has not been reached. And regardless of how I feel about it, regardless of how 
even uh, the athletic department feels about it. The fact of the matter is if there is no high level change at all, whether that's you come to the end of the season and you find a way to go, let's say five and one, or you go oh and five. Like I think you go oh and five, the decisions made. But if you don't make any type of change on this staff, you're going to lose the support and the love and the admiration of one of the best fan bases in America. Um, and that is what it's come down to. Um, the expectations haven't been met. I hate that. And I think one positive to look at through this whole thing is I really do uh, admire how much passion people have about this program, whether you agree with me or you don't agree with me, or you're somewhere in the middle, the fact that we have so many people in this fan base that have opinions and care and, you know, are donating or are following or, you know, are still showing up in the stands or saying that, they, you know, Virginia Tech deserves better. I, I, that's special and something that a lot of fan bases do not have. Um, at the University of Pittsburgh, people are probably not this upset if they're three and three and uh, in the current situation that we are. If you're at, you know, probably most other schools in America, people probably aren't this passionate. And I think that's what makes Virginia Tech so special. Um, and Grayson, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I can get on here and I can say the expectations are not being met. And regardless of what I think or what anybody else thinks, a change needs to be made. Um, like, but I'm never going to get up here and say we need to fire a person. I'm just not going to do that, regardless if I know them personally or if I don't know them personally. Um, I can look at a situation and say this is not meeting expectations. And again, it doesn't matter what I think because I'm not the one that's paid to make those decisions. So that's just how I look at it. But Clearly, expectations have not been met. Clearly, this is not sustainable. And clearly, this is not what anybody has wanted. Sure. Pat, any any closing thoughts? Because I do have one thing I want to add. Yeah, my closing thought, and I should have said this earlier, um, and I don't mean to take it too off topic, but as far as Justin Hamilton goes, like the reason I say we'd love to see Justin Hamilton with the head whistle is more so for like, what if we were to go the model of Justin Hamilton as the head coach you know, will not take a handsome salary like a coach Fuente has, you know, making $4 million a year, but then we pay, we just pay the crap out of a, a an OC and a DC. Um, who knows if that model will work? Who knows if that model is even being talked about, but that's why, uh, that's why I wanted to bring up Justin Hamilton earlier, as far as from an in- interim perspective. Sure. The last thing I'll say before we move on, uh, is while I share the sentiment that I absolutely positively agree that we should not terminate anyone at this point in the season, because I just think that would be very foolish. It's, it kind of goes back to, I guess, what I had just asked, Bill, is there there have been – like this podcast has grown so much under this regime, and a lot of that has to do with like them coming and, and giving us access and talking to us and all that, and I, like I, we, I credit – especially coach Fuente, like so much with the growth of our brand. And I think it's awesome. And so that's what makes this really difficult. That's what makes this really difficult because I think he's a great man. I think he's a family man, loves his wife and kids. We saw his adorable daughters come off the diving board when we interviewed him last summer. That was awesome. Um, so this is, this is 
tough for us, y'all, like li- listening to this. This is like hard for us because we don't know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, I agree with Bill. Hate the result. Don't make this crap personal. Like, I look, I get off on humor. When things are bad, I resort to humor to make myself feel better. I'll always do that. That'll never change. But like on the TL, you know, just don't make it personal. Don't make it personal. I think that's all I really wanted to say. Hate the result. We can be pissed about the result. I'm pissed about the result. Make it more about that. And when the time comes for a decision to be made, that will all happen. So, and I think uh, when I say, you know, um, I think some people share the sentiment. I, 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 you know, I think there's a large portion of the fan base that probably feels like, Hey, like, and tell me if I'm off base guys. I think a lot of people are like, Hey, like I want to lose because it'll get us quicker to whatever result um, I want to have. Um, I guess this can be a little bit of a broader question is kind of what are your wishes or your expectations? Expectations is the wrong word. What are your goals for the rest of this season? And, you know, I've said this before about other issues, whether that was when coach Williams left the program. Uh, I've said this last year. I said this, you know, a ton of times is, you know, I defer to, I trust with Babcock a lot. I think he's a great athletic director. Um, and that's uh, whoever he has and who he supports as our head coach for that week, I'm going to root for our team to win. Um, are there going to be areas and there are going to be, you know, places where I feel like, you know, <laughs> we can get better. Sure. Um, you know, I, but, um, you're never going to catch me like, hoping we lose as many games as possible to bottom out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if that made any sense, but I guess what does. is, what is y'all's kind of goals or wishes or expectations for how the actual team performs um, the rest of the season, Pat, we can start with you. Yeah. It, you know, if we're talking about me as a fan, like it stinks. Cause I think I've, gotten to the point of apathy that I didn't know was possible for me. And Grayson's nodding over there saying the same thing. You know, you go to a, you go to a sports bar, you turn the game on some, someone nudges, nudges you and says, Hey, who are you rooting for? And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm rooting for the Hokies. Like I'm a Hokie guy. And, and that person might say, Oh, you guys stink. You know, you guys are having a tough time. And it's not even like I have any energy to, to try to back us up and say, no, what are you talking about, man? Like, yeah, we, we're at the point where we stink in all caps. Um, and just looking at the rest of the schedule, like I'd love to see three and three, you know, can we, can we split these remaining home games and split the remaining away games? But like, I'm not going to set expectations high at all. And I'm, I'm going to turn on the game on Saturday. I'm going to go to the game on Saturday and I'm going to try to have fun and, you know, cheer on the team. But um, based on what I saw on Saturday, like I am, I think three and three is a lofty goal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I I'm telling y'all there's not a guaranteed win. I'm not just telling this to Billy Ray and Pat. I'm telling everyone there is not a guaranteed win left on our schedule. Not that there ever was, but like everyone's, Oh, Duke's terrible. Georgia tech's terrible. Don't matter. Homeboy. They can beat us. They can beat us. And I'm telling you, like I, I, at the end of this season, I think I think in some capacity or another, we all want this. I mean, at the end of this season, 
staff's got to change. I'll say it. Staff's got to change. Uh, it starts starts at the top. And if we're not, this is not Virginia Tech football. And uh, again, don't make it personal, but you know, I've said it a thousand times. We got we got to do know something. What you, I don't know what can be done to make the majority of the fan base able to run it back. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, no, I think, no, no, no. And run it back, I mean – Everybody, um, I I uh, I can't imagine having to sell a, a, a ticket right now. I can't imagine having to call somebody up and ask if they're going to get season tickets next year. Or donate um, money. Uh, I mean, I. <laughs> that's the thing. I just, I, 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 yeah, it's such a, it's such a weird position that I've kind of never really dealt with. So, uh, Pat, do you have a closing thought on this? We can move on. Uh, Let's move on here. The, the, the only – we can move on to unanswerable questions. Uh, I think beyond the coaching staff, and we've talked about this, uh, my question that, I, that I'm that i very curious about is what does the locker room look like? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the portal is going to be jumping straight up. I do. I think you kind of have to expect that. That's the only – unanswerable uh, and then besides the fact that you know how do we finish the season how how many games do we win that's left on our schedule uh, we don't know and won't know until the fat lady sings so moving right along gentlemen to wrap out here we'll go into letters from the lunch pail uh first question comes from brendan white what's up brendan um is anything actually gonna change the staff has tried to fix things every season, different players, new recruits, schemes, et cetera, yet this is the worst things I've seen with VT football. The logical next step would be a new staff, but I don't see that happening, so what gives? Uh, is anything actually going to change? At this point, I don't know. I have I have no idea. You'd like to think at the end something has to change, uh, and I agree with the sentiment, Brendan, that this is the worst that I've seen Virginia Tech football uh, it's, it's, I've reached peak apathy, uh, the most apathetic I've ever been about Virginia tech football in my damn near 26 years on this planet. Um, so I, I don't have an answer for you and I don't think we're going to have an answer for you until December straight up. Yeah. I think, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I think the only way that you get anybody on board to keep anybody from this staff is a complete like you have to try something radical like whether that's a, a whether you think it's the problem or not a change in play calling a change in quarterback a change in something um we've been running up against the wall the same way over and over and over again i've um been behind it and kind of you know thought it would improve and it's gone backwards um so i think it's obvious that the formula of what we're doing right now, especially offensively, is not leading to wins, is not leading to development. Um, so whether that's a large schematical change, whether it's a responsibility change, whether it's something, um, I think that's the only hope to win to win more football games or to um, get some people on board. Um, and then I guess out, super outside the box and super unlikely, like, who knows what happens with the coastal? Uh, but again, you guys said it before. I don't feel great about about 
falling into the coastal contention, but um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Pete McGee, this is an awesome question. What is a realistic way for the fan base to be supportive of the program in a time when performance is obviously unacceptable and trending poorly? Pete, um, Billy said it, Grayson said it. First of all, you know, don't make it personal, right? Um, let's root for success on the field. Let's let's root for success of the brand of Virginia Tech football, the tradition of Virginia Tech football. You know, you never want to see your team go three and nine or four and eight. Like, I think also it's important to root for the success of the players. You saw a guy like Devin Hunter get hurt on Saturday, which is just devastating. You know, everything that Devin Hunter has been through, the fact that his year might be done is just a huge bummer. Jermaine Waller, same thing, like four, four games with an interception this year. We loved his pick six against Notre Dame. He's out in a boot. Like we hope he can get back in. Um, but these guys put it on the line. They go to practice every single day. They go to workouts, they do film review. And I think just rooting for the players at this point is one of the most important things you, you can do. You don't have to root for the staff, but you can be supportive of the players and you can still be supportive of the Virginia Tech community and just hanging out and enjoying watching this uh, this football team and this school with your friends and family. Yeah, I think you said it, Grayson. Uh, probably last year, um, the program Virginia Tech is not is going to be exist uh, after we're done recording podcasts. Coach Fuente has called his last play whenever that or has you know led the team out of the tunnel his last time, or after Coach Beamer led his team out of last time. So. Uh, you're rooting for the program itself. Um, I guess, Pat, on your point, uh, Dean Ferguson and Devin Hunter announced today are both out for the rest of the year. Um, one with shoulder, seen an ending surgery, and Devin with the knee ending surgery. So unfortunate on uh, on that end. Steve Bryce, VT football, 120 out of 130 teams in total offense. ODU is top 100. Liberty is top 50. UVA is top 10. How do we get to at least three and three down the stretch, not to save people's jobs at VT, but uh, football dignity and brand. We have to rely on our defense to continue to um, be good, be great, be great. Um, you know, keep teams in a, keep teams in check and uh, make things happen. Um, that's what we need to do. That's how we need to move forward. Um, and then the offense quite literally couldn't get worse. Uh, just needs to find a way to, uh, to get better. Um, and then the next question, Pat, I'll let you weigh in and then you can uh, bounce. Pat has to bounce really quick. Last question for you, Pat, with everyone calling for Fuente and Corn to be gone, what are people's thoughts on possibly losing coach Hamilton and many of the other former coaches and players in the progress process? I feel like having them on staff will have to improve, will help improve our recruiting. Yeah, that's a huge, huge question. Uh, because if we lose a guy like coach Hamilton, Ryan Smith, Jack Tyler, you know, who played here, um, JC price and tier link. Like these are guys who have done a great job this year. The defense has looked really good. Um, you know, for the most part, the recruiting on defense has been really good, really effective. And if you clean house, essentially you're going to lose everyone. Um, you know, when coach Fuente was hired, Bud stayed on with his entire defensive staff. I'm sure that there's a plan. That's all I'm going to say is that I'm sure there's a plan Justin Hamilton, everyone wants him in the picture. It's probably not going to be perfect. Whatever happens, there will be what ifs across the board. Um, but I do think that should be kept top of mind is how can we how can we retain these defensive recruits? How can we retain some of the defensive staff? Um, but so much of the time in college football hiring, you know, 
you're when you're cleaning house, you're cleaning house. So one of the biggest question marks and one of those unanswerable questions. Um, Daryl Sphinx. Yeah. yeah. Daryl Sphinx. If we were to hire a possible new head coach, who do all three of you have in mind to take the new job? Who would y'all like to see take the job and who wouldn't y'all like to t- see take the job? Well, Daryl, we kind of thought about this. I thought about this. Um, and this, this answer might surprise you, man, but uh, I, out of respect for this staff and out of respect for coach Fuente, I mean, nothing has happened yet. No one, no one's been terminated. Nothing's happened. Uh, and straight up, you know, until something happens or lack thereof, I, I don't know. I don't want to answer that question. Uh, I, I think it's, this call what you will. Uh, I think it's kind of disrespectful uh, to to start talking about something like that when when there's not a conversation to be had yet. When nothing is definitive, uh, I think in a few weeks we might have a much better idea uh, and maybe can then start having that conversation. But right now, um, I just I don't want to weigh in on that yet. From a a player's perspective or a former player's perspective, I hated and we all hated um, when we found out that Coach Beamer was retiring. We found out again, we found out through television. Um, But before that happened, it was so tiring hearing, oh, you know, he's going to retire this year. Who's going to be the next guy? This, that and the other. And, you know, you're just trying to win football games. You're trying to practice. You're trying to, you know, do what you got to do. So yeah, Grayson, I I appreciate that answer and that and that sentiment because I just don't think it's right to be having those kind of conversations when we're gonna wake up tomorrow and barring an announcement at after seven o'clock on a Monday after he's done right. his press conference, Coach Fuente is gonna coach the team on uh on Tuesday. Um and and, uh, and that's not to stay derelict. You know, people know how I feel about it. People know how I feel about it. It's not a secret. Yeah, this is not this is not a this is not a Rip Carroll <laughs> thing. It's it's more no, so no, everybody's no. having that conversation and, sure. and that's our view on it. So yeah, I uh, appreciate the question. Um and we can table it and who knows? Um who knows when that time will come or or what, but uh we'll um we'll talk about that whenever it's appropriate. Um sure. We'll move into smiling shout outs brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for uh, Complete Dentistry. Um, yeah, uh, shout outs, shout outs to Coach Beamer. He turns 75 years old today. Um, love him. So appreciative for everything he's done for me and for the school that I love. And um, glad to see him still around and, and kicking and doing his thing. Uh, I want to shout out Coach Foster. He was in the stands again this weekend, uh, checking out the game. It was kind of funny. They wrote, uh, so he's up on the on the uh, on the jumbotron, and it says Bud Foster Broyles Award winner, two thousand six. It's like actually Bud Foster, like legend coach and greatest defensive like, coordinator of all time? Like, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I thought that was interesting uh, verbiage. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, shout out to Kathleen. Uh, shout out to Catherine Irvin. She stopped by in section five. That was great to see her. And then the whole section five crew, shout out to Willie, Mike and Mike in the afternoon, Griffin, the whole gang. We had a great tailgating time, Trey, um, and, and everybody, uh, section five was great. Um, and then shout out to 
Shout out to the Red Sox. They're one of the only things that's keeping me going. I'm going to be in Fenway Park tomorrow um, for game four of the ALCS. So if you're a Boston Hokie, let me know. I'll be driving down tomorrow morning. I'll be working in a WeWork on Boylston and then um, drinking as much Guinness as possible and watching uh, watching the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox sacks. have not been breaking my – the sacks have not been breaking my hat uh, <laughs> this, uh, this year. So – I guess uh, one last thing, Gray, I'll say is sure. I'm just sad, man. I think I think everybody's sad. I, I uh Grace and I I know you share this sentiment. I love Virginia Tech so much. Totally. I love Virginia Tech football. Absolutely. And leaving, I've never felt like that. Like leaving leaving the stadium after that, I've just never I've 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 never been that upset. Upset for the players, upset about the result, upset about everything. And yeah, I'm upset. I'm upset. I was wrong about this offense. I'm upset. I was wrong about, you know, a lot of things coming into the year. Um, and yeah, I'll eat crow on that, but it's a, it's a bummer. Um, it sucks. Sure. No, no, I, I, I agree, Bill. It does suck, man. And, and it's, it's wild. We, uh, we've been right about a lot of things. We've been wrong, wrong about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, we all love Virginia tech. We all want what's best for Virginia tech. I think that's, that's paramount. Uh, my shout outs, shout out to my dad. He just, good Lord, Randy put on some sunscreen, man. He he's, he grew up on a farm, so he is allergic to the sun and had skin cancer, skin cancer and <laughs> had an operation done. He's fine. He's doing great. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad you're doing great dad. And, uh, shout out to the to, to the LA Hokies crew. Dad Gummit, it stinks, but you know I'm gonna, uh, you know I'm going to be there at 9:30 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, and then shout out to me because I come Wednesday will have been on this planet for 26 years, and that's pretty crazy. Time to get health insurance. <laughs> yeah, that's so. Um, but uh, that's that's it. We'll see y'all in the next one. We got Syracuse preview coming this week. I'm uh, going to talk about Coach Dino Baber's squad. Hopefully, we can pull out a dub. Bill, if you have anything else to add. Speaking now for everybody. Um, yes, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Uh, yeah, kind of, these are never fun, but I uh, appreciate uh, y'all listening, and uh, we'll come back with a Syracuse preview. I guess, I guess some positive news. Justin Robinson is going to be on the Milwaukee Bucks. That's true. pretty exciting. Um, made the 16-man roster. And then the NFL Hokies yesterday, man. Everyone in. Jason had a pick. Yep. Kevin Fuller, Fuller had, had a pick. Ke- uh, Ke- uh, Khalil Herbert had a touchdown. Chuck yep. Clark is just – I had multiple people. So it was my buddy Steve Shanley's birthday, and he texted me. He was at the Ravens game. I'm sure he was 10 or 12 Bud Lights deep, but he goes, dude, Chuck Clark, absolute animal. I'm like, He's yeah. A freak. Chuck, Clark, Chuck Clark's really good. Um, so, I mean, those are, those are some things to smile about. Shout out to the homecoming court or – royalty or whatever they're called now um that's cool um any other any other positives it was football weather outside it was like six six sixty two degrees wind. yeah football weather in uh la surprisingly enough it's been like 65 degrees outside here it's awesome i love it yeah so anyway heads up life is good i promise i think this is the floor i think uh i hope it's the floor good I hope lord i hope it's the floor. Dude, I, I i dude i can't <laughs> I can't do this anymore. But anyway, uh, love you guys. Have a great week, and we will talk to you soon.
time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know just what you're thinking. to you.